1: 18 plus. It's time to play like a Jet with your host Scott Mason. Play like a Jet. What does that mean? Makai Beckton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Wilson going to the air. Chased out by Daquan Jones. Wilson looking into zone. Wide open. Touchdown! First NFL
2: Touchdown for Zach Wilson, and it goes to Corey Davis. Down the middle, he's got it. Elijah Moore, the 20, the 10, the 5, touchdown. Jones has just caught flat-footed. What an excellent, excellent round. he hit immediately. got the handoff. The Q-nator. Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you.
0: From the playlikeajet.com digital studio. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And we are doing our 2022 Jets offseason roundtables. I've got a first-time guest, although it doesn't feel like it, because I talk to this guy multiple times a day, even though he lives in England. One of my favorite people to discuss the Jets with, and a whole range of other topics, he and I run the gamut. Glenn Naughton, who is the host of Jet Nation Radio, columnist over at JetNation.com. And as I said, a resident of the United Kingdom right now. Glenn, thanks so much for coming on, man. This has been way too long in the making. I'm shocked that we haven't had this happen sooner. I know I went on with you a couple of months ago on Jet Nation Radio, but it's really great to have you on the show.
2: Yeah, man. Look, it's great to be on, Scott. You know, um, I think... uh if, if you put us in a room together, we could just talk about the jets and, and pass about 12 hours and not even realize it. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think, I think for the, I think we agree on most things, uh, a couple things we, we, you know, sometimes it's fun to disagree on stuff too, but yeah, it's, it's great to be on man. Uh, glad to, glad to pop on.
0: So let's start with Robert Sala and his coaching staff. What'd you think year one, were you impressed? Do you think that the arrow is trending up with these guys?
2: Well, I think, you know, on the, uh, the, on the defensive side of the ball, it's, it's you know, I've, I've made the point a few times since the season ended that, you know, this is the first time the Jets fielded a defense that gave up 500-plus points, which is just mind-boggling. Um, it, it's hard to be high on Jeff Ulbrich right now, even with the fact, you know, even considering the fact that there, there is a talent deficiency. Um, a lot of young, inexperienced guys, you know, the linebacker situation was a mess. You drafted Hamza Nasruddin. You handed him the starting job out of camp. And by week three, he was on the bench, misses a few weeks with injury, and he's a special teamer the rest of the way. Uh, Jared Davis didn't pan out the way he'd hoped. The safeties honestly aren't very good, so it's like, how much can you expect out of them? You know, there's that there's that part of me that looks at the old, you know, the the toward the end of the Rex Ryan era when he's you know when he's got Antonio Allen starting at corner <laughs> or a, you know uh, you know a, a bunch of guys who were really street free agents. They didn't give up 500 points. Like, giving up 500 points is, is mind-blowing. So I'm, I'm a little bit scared on the defensive side of the ball. I appreciate Salah not wanting to be that meddling head coach and just saying, you know, I'm, I'm going to let Jeff do his thing. But I do feel that at some point he should have stepped in and said, you know, I'm going to take over here. And there may be times when he does step in and interject. And, of course, he's not going to tell the media that, yeah, you know, today I took play calling away from Jeff in the second half. Um, he's not going to throw his guy under the bus like that. But, yeah, giving up 500 points worries me about the coaching. But on the offensive side of the ball, you look at, at what happened with Mike LaFleur, and especially, you know, I know I've, I myself and others have pointed out, you look at the way this offense performed when Zach Wilson was hurt, um, and they were one of the top offenses in the league, at least top half. Um, so, and, and you you see the creativity, the gadget plays, the, the, the risks he's willing to take. And I'm already worried that he's going to be a head coaching candidate next year. Uh, because if Zach Wilson, you know, takes that leap, this is the first time in a very long time that on offense, the Jets look like a modern day football team. Um, and it wasn't just sort of, you weren't just left scratching your head after the game. And I'm not, this isn't to say LaFleur was perfect, of course, but the Jets just, when there was a veteran in there who was making the reads quickly, getting the ball out decisively, um we saw, you know, Josh Johnson, Joe Flacco, Mike White. They all had 300-yard games. Well, I think Flacco threw for 291. Um, but this offense looked completely different, even with, you know, we say veteran. Mike White had never had a start before. But even just a guy who'd been around a couple of years and, and was able to digest the offense, I think the offensive side of the ball, you have to be excited about what we've seen.
0: How about Joe Douglas? You like the job he's done so far? Are you bullish on him?
2: I am. Listen, I love the hire. Um, as I say, I... I, I uh, should I have to what is it? Where what do they call it? Called, a scarlet letter for uh, for defending <laughs> for defending Mike Mcagnin for too long? Um, I definitely did. I was way too optimistic on McCagnan, Um and I was you know when they fired him, uh, I said at the time, even though I was still kind of holding out hope that some of his picks would turn around, and it, I, I think a lot of people, whether you like the Douglas hire or not, were a little critical. Like the timing was weird. You let him run an off season. You let him run a draft, and then you fire him. So just from that standpoint, um, it was a weird thing. But I said on the day, I was like, if you can get Joe Douglas, then this is worth it. Um, so I've liked Douglas from day one. He's he's had his missteps. But I think when you look at the draft he just had, um, from top to bottom, they're going to have anywhere from from all pro caliber players to, you know, backup players at the back of the draft, guys like Brandon Eccles, who, you know, is probably a future three or four. Um, I love the class he had. It's, you know, as, as I, I always say that people want to criticize the the missteps, but I just look at it that every GM has missteps. Like every GM makes mistakes. Like show me where there are some hits. Are you getting enough hits to make this worthwhile? And I think this most recent class was, was, a, a, was a, a, an absolute haul. And obviously if Zach Wilson pans out, it becomes, you know, it, it boosts it even that much more. But I do like what we've seen from Joe Douglas. Um, I think the fan reaction to Joe Douglas from some people is funny because here's Joe Douglas. um, He's taken Makai Becton uh, in the first round. He's traded up to get Elijah Tucker in the first round. So the big complaint about McKagan for so many years is that he neglected the offensive line or one of the many, uh, which was true. McKagan wouldn't draft offensive line. Um, Now I see people complaining. Why is Joe Douglas using so many picks on offensive line? If he's such a genius, shouldn't he be able to find one later in the draft? Like, well, the complaint with McCagnum was that he, one, neglected the O-line and two, always thought he was the smartest guy in the room by outthinking himself. So now Joe Douglas does the exact opposite of that. He takes the obvious, very good O-lineman early and people are criticizing him for that. So there's nothing you can do that won't get criticized. Uh, but I, I like Douglas. I like what he's done so far. Um, and again, he you know, the Ryan Khalil thing was a disaster. He's had some screw ups. But listen, these guys are going to make mistakes, but show me the hits. And right now there are there are enough of them to that I believe to make Jets fans hopeful.
0: Let's talk about two of the players that need to be among those hits in order for this team to be successful in the long haul. One of them is Makai Becton, the other is Zach Wilson. Makai Becton has had his share of injuries, in fact, obviously missed almost the entire 2021 season, played a portion of game one and then missed the rest of the way. Had his injury issues his rookie year as well. We'll see what happens in 2022. But a lot of people are nervous about him, and understandably so. Zach Wilson started out the season very rocky, settled down a little bit at the end after he came back from the injury. But still, there are questions. How optimistic are you about Wilson, and how nervous are you about Mekhi Becton?
2: With Becton, I wasn't really that nervous until a couple of weeks ago. Um, I've spent the all the you know, the regular season defending the guy. Um, you know, we've talked in the past about how, you know, sometimes you get these grand narratives that people latch on to and and you know, even with evidence to the contrary, they'll keep repeating the same thing. And one of them was that, you know, Makai Becton came into the season out of shape. Now I, I guess that that's everyone's definition of in shape and out of shape may be different. Um I no, I don't believe Makai Becton came into the season with a six pack. Um, but if, you know, all all you have to do is look at the guy's Twitter, um, and look at some of the pictures of him in camp. To me, he looked about what I would expect an NFL offensive tackle to look like a super big dude, a little bit of a stomach. And he, he, he actually, and I, I included this in something I I wrote recently. He tweeted out a a video of himself working out. And I think it was like 10, 12 days before camp kicked off. He, you know, he had a loose fitting t-shirt. He looked about a svelte as a six foot nine or six, seven human being can look who plays offensive tackle. He was ready to go. Uh, you look at the pictures of him in camp, you know, this, the, the, the one with him standing next to Elijah Vera Tucker. I, at no point did I look at that and think, Oh my God, he looks out of shape. He looked the way I would expect him to look. Um, but pe- because he's a big guy, people just started saying, Oh, he's fat and out of shape and everyone latched onto it. Um, and that carried on throughout the season. But it didn't really nothing. It didn't really get my attention till Joe Douglas uh, closed out the season with his presser and said, you know, Makai's got to come in in shape next year or, you know, in the best shape of his life, something like that, which is like, OK, you could say that about anyone. But, uh, you know, you kind of take note of it. Uh, but then, of course, a few days later, Mike Garofalo from the NFL Network uh, says, you know, and and I have no reason to believe Mike Garofalo is going to go out and smear Makai Becton and make stuff up but teams do sometimes like information to get out without it coming from the team. Um, And Mike Garofalo says Makai Becton's knee rehab was going slow already. And then he started putting weight on that. That was the first red flag to me. That's like, okay, now, now it's confirmed from a guy who gets his information from the team. And while Makai Becton is supposed to be getting better, not only is the process going slow, but he compounds that by adding weight while he's rehabbing. That worried me a little bit. Um, and so I'm. I'm more worried now than I was when the, the day of the season ended in, in terms of Becton. However, um, he's you know he's reportedly working with a nutritionist now, and uh, the guy you know we've seen we've seen him come into camp and in, you know in perfectly good shape to play football. So hopefully it's a young guy who had a hiccup, and because uh, we all know you watch the guy play, we all know that if he if he develops and with the tools he has. You're talking Hall of Fame left tackle, but if he puts on 40 pounds, you're talking about left tackle who ate himself out of the league, so even if he lands in the middle of there somewhere and becomes a good left tackle for 10 years, that's fine, but you want to see him hit that ceiling, so I'm not terrified about it, but I'm a little more worried than I was, and as far as Zach Wilson goes, um, not as worried because we did see some improvement down the stretch. There were some things that he did better late in the season than he did early. Like the, the Eagles game to me, going off memory, I could be wrong, but that was the first game where I felt like he's just he's just seeing it and throwing it, like the ball is out in a hurry um, and the protection doesn't have to be great because he's not holding on to the ball too long. And we saw that from him a few times down the stretch where we didn't really see it early in the season. So even more so than the, the numbers getting better, um, as they did in some categories, you know, he cut down the turnovers, which is huge. Um, he used his legs a little bit more, which you like to see, but I liked how he just looked more decisive and like he was, he was getting a better grasp of the offense and knowing where guys were supposed to be. Um, and again, it not only, you know, we always talk about the learning curve from college to the NFL, but you're not just talking college, you're talking BYU. So like small, small time competition, uh, where you only played a couple of D one colleges, and now you come to the NFL where you're going to get tested. The talent's going to be, you know, everyone's going to be faster. You're going to have to process information faster. So I think it's – and I said before the season that I thought we would see a different quarterback in the second half from what we saw in the first half. And while he didn't take as many steps as I would have liked, he definitely looked like a better player. So, you know, far too early to give up on a guy. I know, you know, some people are say – I mean, listen, fans give up on guys after one game nowadays. But I think anyone who's, who's you know, bailing on the kid now is, is – premature to put it lightly. Um, So yeah, the improvement was nice to see. The decision-making was nice to see. And I'm hopeful for the kid moving forward. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up
0: the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say? Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over a hundred social casino style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today Purchase necessary VGW group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply
1: play like a jet play like a jet
0: Glenn let's talk about the players on this team that are internal free agents before we get to the external free agents that they can get from other teams to help improve what we saw on the field in 2021 Braxton Berrios is probably the most popular name, but there are other guys that are going to be free agents on this team. Marcus May, Morgan Moses, Foley Fadakasi. Where do you sit on these guys and any of the other players that are impending free agents internally?
2: Well, I think, uh, I think Marcus May, it's, again, that that Joe Douglas postseason presser. It sounds like May is gone. I actually, you know, I I I, I thought earlier, that even before the injury, I thought this is Marcus May's last year. I don't see safety being a position Joe Douglas is going to overpay for or even pay a premium. Um, you look at the, the history with the Ravens with Ozzie Newsome. You know he rarely paid paid out big money to safeties, and you know of course the, the years Joe Douglas spent under him, we saw them trade Jamal Adams instead of paying him, and he was you know obviously a far bigger impact player than Marcus May was. I think they let him walk, but I, I think we, coming off the injury and the number of holes they have um there's a part of me that says you know what if they wanted to bring him back like if marcus may says look i don't have a bunch of offers i'll come back for one year seven million and let him be a hold the fort guy for another year that i could live with but it really is a moot point i just don't see it happening i think marcus may goes um i don't think he's going to get near the money him and his agent expected especially coming off this injury so we'll, we'll see how that goes um morgan moses someone said something to me about him the other day that I kind of, I laughed because it was exactly what I said when he hit free agency the first time, because, you know, Morgan Moses, here's a, a veteran guy. He's not, you know, he's not too old to still be an effective player. I kind of viewed him as somebody that the Jets wouldn't really have a shot at first. I didn't think they would go after him. Uh, you know, physically didn't fit the profile of the, the O lineman they'd brought in previously, but I just thought someone's going to offer him a starting job and that's where he's going to go um and it turns out nobody really did i think they said the bears told them they would start to make guard was one rumor i heard but the jets were really one of the only major suitors so he signed with the jets if that's the case again i absolutely try to bring him back you know for even though i'm saying this team should go offensive tackle early on in this draft i think moses is you know very valuable veteran backup and if you could get him back on a similar type one one year deal then you do it and with fully fatakasi he's another guy where is it, it uh, I would, the reason I say no on Fadakasi in terms of, will he be back? I was a little, I, I would have expected because fully Fadakasi, you know, very underrated player. He does a great job on the interior. I thought if the jets valued him or thought of him the same way that myself and other jets fans do, I think you get him locked up during the season. Cause as we've said, once you hit free agency, you're competing with other teams for that guy and the price gets driven up. So the fact that the jets let it get to this point, I mean, let's face it, you know, fully Fadakasi, He's not a guy who's going to cost you 19 million a year. He's not going to break the bank. Um, They've got plenty of money to sign a guy for what he does. And the fact that they didn't makes me wonder if they're that interested in bringing him back. And, you know, is that why Jonathan Marshall was brought in to be a developmental guy to step in this year? I don't know, but I, I expect him to go. But I love the guy. I wish I wish he was hanging around.
0: Let's talk external free agency, Glenn, and there are a lot of areas that the Jets could target because you don't go 4-13 with a strong roster. There are a lot of holes here. They'll have to fill them in free agency, maybe with some trades, as Joe Douglas hinted at in his postseason presser, and clearly the draft is going to be a big area, and we'll talk about that in a bit. What do you like in free agency? Who'd you go after, and what positions would you target?
2: I I said this earlier in the year, and and honestly, I I can't even give you a a great reason why. I think it's just a a, just a hunch. Like I feel like they're gonna try to address tight end in free agency. I know Dalton Schultz is the big name, Um, as we've talked about. There are gonna be a lot of teams competing for him. I don't see the Jets like just just put yourself in Dalton Schultz's shoes. Like unless the Jets are gonna grossly overpay you, you know, far beyond what you're worth, which I don't think any fan should want that. Um, why are you going to sign with the Jets? There are going to be contenders um, knocking down your door, giving you an opportunity to, to catch a lot of passes. So I, I think Schultz goes elsewhere. Um, I've always been a little bit fascinated by uh, David Njoku, who's going to be a free agent with the Browns. I think Mo Ali Cox is a guy, you know, a good pass catcher, but neither one of those guys is going to bring much in, in terms of a blocker. But if, if you're going to draft a guy like Trey McBride as well, you know, there's nothing wrong with having a guy who's, who specializes in, in being a pass catcher. So I'd really I wouldn't mind seeing uh, uh, Njoku or Mo Ali Cox brought in because, uh, you know, Mo Ali Cox, he, he made some pretty nice plays against the Jets, too. Um, Mike Gaseki's another one. I loved Gusecki coming out. I, I actually said before the draft that I, I said, I know the Jets aren't taking this guy, but just please don't let him sign within the division or get drafted by a team in the division because I don't want I don't want my team to have to figure out a way to defend him. And then of course uh, he goes to the Dolphins and really has come on the last couple of years. So as pass casting, op- pass catching options, I do like those guys. Al- you know, along the offensive line, uh, Lake Tomlinson isn't. You know, he's not a he's not a big name, but this is a guy who comes from this system. Um, you probably get them for I don't know around ten million per year if you want to bring him in and uh, and not use a, You know, fill one of the, what is a gaping hole at right guard. Of course, you could go the other option, you know, through the draft, but this is what happens, right? You, you, you go through free agency and that will sometimes change your priorities. So maybe you get a guy like a Lake Tomlinson and then, uh, as far as the, as far as getting an edge rusher, because I think the Jets definitely go edge in the draft, but, uh, that doesn't mean you don't want to try to get somebody in free agency. Um, Hassan Reddick really came on with the Panthers the last couple of years. I think he was kind of played out of position early on in his career. And then he, you know, he. Got moved to his more natural spot and he's played much better. But the guy that I, and this is listen, this is our, our biases, right? Because I was such a big fan of this guy coming out. Um, I said on draft night, I couldn't believe he wasn't a first round pick. Um, although he ended up going in the top half of the second round, and I, and of course, franchise tags still to come, so he may get tagged. But uh, Tennessee Titans as rusher Harold Landry, um, I loved him coming out of BC, wanted the Jets to target him, they didn't. Um, we saw him. He was an absolute monster the other day in that playoff game. And he really came on, you know, over the last couple of years, again, as he kind of develops and, and gets comfortable as an NFL pass rusher. And I think edge and tight end are their two biggest needs. So I think you need to double team it. I think you need to try to get one in free agency and then at least one in the draft and and just kind of go from there.
0: A lot of rumors flying around about possible trades, some receivers that could be available. You hear the name DK Metcalf, Calvin Ridley, Amari Cooper, even some buzz that perhaps the Vikings, who are up against the cap, could look to move Daniil Hunter. But of course, Hunter, one of the best pass rushers in the league, carries a significant cap charge, and he's not going to come cheaply in terms of draft picks. I'm not sure any of these guys is going to come cheaply in terms of draft picks, although some more cheaply than others. What do you make of these rumors, and are there any moves that you would try to make if you were Joe Douglas here to bring in an established player at one of these positions?
2: I think it comes down to how they feel. You know, the Jets internally how they feel about this class. If they feel like they can get a very productive receiver early on, uh, not, you know, <laughs> not too early as we've discussed. I don't. I don't want a receiver at ten, but maybe if you if you move down in round one, uh, you know, it's sort of the eighteen to twenty two range, somewhere in there. And add another premium pick if you if you want to go out and get a, a guy like Traylon Burks or uh, you know Dotson out of Penn State, who I've talked about a fair bit. I think there are some options there. But I think in in terms of trading assets um, for a young receiver, I wouldn't be against it. You know, it, it, every fan we're all like broken records with anytime it's free agency or a trade. We always say you know it's got to be for the right price, which of course it does. Nobody wants to overspend or overpay. But, you know, a guy like Amari Cooper, a guy like DK Metcalf, these are guys who obviously would be, you know, a huge asset to this team. Um, they'd be a huge asset for, for Zach Wilson. I think I would prefer Cooper um, to DK Metcalf. And, I, and, and in all honesty, I think I have kind of a bias against Metcalf. I don't watch a ton of Seahawks football, but I feel like every time I put on a Seahawks game, I see him drop a pass. Um, and that, look, he may have had four drops all year. And that may be the four times I happen to watch the <laughs> Seahawks. Um it, but it's hard to see a guy do that and not kind of, I have this mental thing with Metcalf where I think drops too many drops. Um, I actually may look up the numbers on that cause I'm curious, but I, I would have no issue going out and getting a guy. Um, you know, the issue becomes how much, cause DK Metcalf, of course, closer to becoming a free agent and you're going to have to pay him through the nose. Um, so I would, and especially once you give up premium picks for a guy that kind of, it, just in order to not have egg on your face, you have to retain that guy. So I would think Amari Cooper, because you have him, and you know, the point you've made before, you've got him under contract for a couple more seasons. Maybe you can even rework the deal and add a year or two because he's still only 27. Um, but I would be absolutely fine with, you know, if you have Amari Cooper with uh, with Corey Davis and, and Elijah Moore, that's a pretty nice trio to go ahead and add a tight end or two.
0: Glenn, let's talk about the draft. This is one of the most fun things about being a Jets fan, which is unfortunate because I would like the most fun thing to be the games and the Jets competing for playoff spots and maybe even championships. But since that's not how this goes right now, The draft is something we look forward to every year And the Jets have four picks in the top 38 We know this They are loaded for bear Two firsts, two seconds, a third, two fourths, two fifths So they could do a lot of good in this draft If they play their cards right Tell me what you think about these picks Who they should target What positions they should really go after And do you have any specific favorite players I know you mentioned Burks and Dotson before That you really would like to see the Jets draft
2: uh, well, yeah, it's funny you say. I, 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 said a few years ago. I said the worst part about being a Jets fan is football season. Like, it, it really <laughs> is. It, you just if it wasn't for football, if it wasn't for football season, being a Jets fan would be awesome. Um, but yeah, listen. This I said it the other day um, in a video I did that basically I can't remember the last time the Jets were set up this well to succeed in the draft. Um, not only do you have all these picks. You know, these, you're at 4, 10, 35, 38, 69, all this stuff. Even at 107, you're right outside that sort of premium pick area. Um, you've got all these premium picks. you may trade down and add more. You're you're scouting the senior bowl for the first time in over 30 years. And um, and then on top of that, you're, you're scouting what many believe. Um, I'm on board with this. I said the other day, uh, Todd McShay tweeted it out. He thinks this is the deepest senior bowl class he's ever seen. Um I look at the four or five tight ends the Jets have on their roster, I like all of them. Um obviously Trey McBride, you know, is sort of the 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 top the cream of the crop there, but I like Jake Ferguson a lot. You know, there there's there's like three or four. You got Ruckert, you got Ferguson, you got McBride, um even Collar to a lesser extent who are all like I think really good in-line blockers or at least are have the ability to become in-line blockers as well as pass catchers. I think Ruckert's one of those guys that you know, you go to a big school like Ohio state and they're just so loaded across the board that your number isn't called that often as a receiver. I think he'll be more productive as a pro than he was in college. So I like a lot of the tight ends in this class. Um, You know, the the name early on, you know, was Jalen Weidermeyer early in the season. And I do like him a lot, but kind of going back to the, uh, the DK Metcalf thing, he had, he did have a ton of drops, which is a little bit of a red flag to me. So, while I would gladly add Weidermeyer in the middle rounds um, to, you know, if, if he were still there as, as a tight end, too, I'd have no issue with that. But in terms of the top of the, the top of he, or the, the cream of the crop for the tight ends, it's got to be Trey McBride. Isaiah likely not as much of an inline guy, but I like Ruckert a lot. Uh, K. Dot out of Washington, another guy who could be a Y. So, there are some, some tight ends who can be that sort of all around, every down player. Um, and yeah, uh, Jahan Dotson. He was actually the first guy who jumped out to me last year. Um, I can't remember. I think I was watching a Penn State game to get a look at the linebackers, or uh, maybe it was Pat Fryermuth and Jahan Dotson, He just made a couple of plays where I just I screen grabbed them and sent them to a couple of my buddies, and I was like, "I'm watching this guy next year," um, and he's been fantastic. David Bell out of Purdue, I like a lot. Um, he's a guy who who is he's so tough. Like I, I've watched. He again, he's the guy that jumped out to me last year. When uh when watching Purdue games, um because of Rondale Moore and I thought he's another guy to keep an eye on. He just he, he's he's tough as nails. Doesn't have elite speed, you know. 40's not everything. He's probably going to run in like the low four fives, um, which isn't terrible. He's six two. Like I said, really physical guy who does a great job of you know he's not afraid to go over the middle and take a hit. He'll you know he'll hang on through contact. George Pickens we've talked about um, off the air, uh, Scott. Super talented guy. Some people said before the season, maybe the most talented guy in the class. But there have been some red flags, uh, some disciplinary stuff back in college. So you wonder, and, and this is the interesting part. I, I do it myself all the time, Scott, and I'm sure you do it. We will sit down and we'll do these mocks and we'll say, I want this guy and that guy and this guy. And 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 when when the, when that guy is on the board and the, the Jets don't take him and we're, we're mad and, you know, why didn't they take that guy? And I, I try to remind myself that, we have no idea what the teams found on these guys when they did some digging. Mm-hmm. Um, you might have a guy who looks like the perfect pick, but your security team comes back to you, you know, during the process and says, uh, we have two or three weird accusations with this guy that may or may not be true. That might be enough to take a guy off your board. Um, and I'm not saying that's the case with any player. I'm just saying that when you do hear even just a rumor that you know, a guy had some suspensions or disciplinary things, that does kind of enter the equation. But, uh, but, but sticking with wide receiver, though, um, another guy we've talked about, Wandale Robinson from Kentucky. I think he's kind of, as I said to you earlier, when I first started watching him and looking at his draft projections, he was sort of a late second, early third guy. And the more I watch him, I'm just like, I can't see this guy being there that long. Um, the, he, great. You know, he's got, he's got a great, uh, great change of direction. He can make guys miss. He's got excellent hands. You watch enough of his games. You're going to see him make every type of catch you can imagine. Um, whether it's whether it's you know fully extended leaping over a defender, whether it's diving toward the boundary, you know, on a throw that looks like it's going to go out of bounds, or you know, charging forward and, and and keeping a ball, keeping the his hands under the ball, making these sort of athletic, crazy catches, and just a very productive guy, and uh, Christian Watson, um, a North Dakota State guy, who you and I discussed, and and he's a guy that it they're tough to evaluate because of the fact that they're playing against that, that sort of lower level of competition. And uh, th- that those are the big ones on, you know, as far as wide receiver. Um, and I, so, to not go on for hours, I'll just throw a couple more names at you. <laughs> um, I know everyone knows about uh, Ikema Kwonu out of, out of NC State. I think he, if I'm the Jets, he's my guy at four. Um, Trevor Petting's an interesting guy. He probably goes to the bottom of round one. Northern Iowa, he's an absolute monster. And uh, we've talked about Daniel Falali um, out of Minnesota, how much fun it would be if Makai Beckton were to stay healthy to have a couple guys that big. But um, I don't know that he moves well enough to fit this offense, so that may not be a thing. Uh, Actually, I'm going to mention one more O-lineman because I don't feel like he's getting enough love. Um, not, Not a very highly rated guy. Everyone wants Linderbaum. I get it. And if they get him, that's great. I know you're a big Zion Johnson guy, which I completely agree with actually watched a lot of Zion Johnson this week uh, because I was watching a lot of Boston college because of Alec Lindstrom, uh, the center there, who he would probably be my second choice behind, uh, behind Linderbaum in terms of a center. You might be able to get him in the sort of third or fourth round. And I think he's a better player than he's getting credit for right now. Um, and as far as the backs, I think, you know, we're, we're sort of in lockstep there and, um, I actually also like you know the, the the big guys the Walker the Spiller the Williams. Um, I also watched some uh, some Missouri this week uh Taylor Batty, uh, smaller guy, but as a as a mid late round pick, I think he could be a nice option. But like you said, man, the draft we could we could talk for hours about this, and especially as we said, with all the premium picks the Jets have, um, I think I think being at the Senior Bowl will impact their approach because. If you're there, you maybe see a guy who you didn't think a whole lot of or maybe you were on the fence and you get to see him behind the scenes and he blows you away and you think, damn, this guy just moved up our board a little bit, but he's not going to be there at 38. We thought we might be able to get him there or we thought we might get him at 107, but he's probably going top 80. Um, So I think the Jets, this is going to lead to Joe Douglas. I think it increases the likelihood of him moving down from 10 to add some more picks.
0: Glenn Naughton podcast host, writer extraordinaire over at JetNation.com. Thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Like I said, it took way too long for us to make this happen. So let's do it again soon. In the meantime, though, I want everybody to check out what you're doing over at JetNation.com. So what do you got going on?
2: Yeah, check us out, man. Like, uh, like I said, JetNation.com, our forums, uh, the, the only few times I've checked of late, we've got the most active forums in the league, uh, you know, as, as far as jets fans, I think, uh, we kind of regularly hit, hit a million viewers a month. Uh, some of them are some people are just browsing but uh, you know you get on those forums and we're logging thousands of posts today. And it, listen, I love Twitter as much as the next guy to talk sports but to me going on a forum, giving you that ability to, to either post video clips or still shots and, and have back and forth long form discussion about the team is a lot better than trying to limit yourself to 140 characters and, and squeeze stuff in there. So uh, check out the forums at jetnation.com we have jet Nation radio hosted by uh, Alex Varallo and Bill- Dylan Term, and They do Tuesday nights. Um, I do my own version of Jet Nation Radio just because the time the time difference being in the UK, it was getting tough doing it. You know, kicking off the show at 11 p.m. my time. So uh, I just, if you give me a follow at AceFan23 on Twitter and at uh, JetNation.com, give them a follow, and I'll just I'll just do videos whenever I get a chance and uh, and drop them on YouTube. I try to keep them short because people are busy. Um, but every now and then, like this time of year, there'll be some longer stuff out there. But I try to keep them to the 10, 15 minutes, shoot out some random thoughts and uh, the current state of the team, but that's uh, that's about it, man.
0: Check out everything Glenn is doing over at JetNation.com and check out everything we're doing at PlayLikeAJet.com and the PlayLikeAJet YouTube channel. The Thunder from down under Luke Grant has got some great breakdowns up there right now. You heard Glenn talk about Trey McBride. You heard him talk about Traylon Burks. You heard him talk about Dalton Schultz. Luke has breakdowns of all of those guys and much more on our YouTube channel So watch the videos and subscribe If you haven't already Also visit our store at That's teepublic.com That's tee We've got the Zach the Ripper shirt The Zach Says Go Long shirt The John Franklin Myers, Quentin Williams Bless You Thank You shirt The Play Like a Jet logo shirt Mugs, hoodies, caps It's all there That's Teepublic.com That's tee And give us a 5 star review for the podcast on iTunes If you haven't done that already easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out so if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful, and for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go, that's PlayLikeAJetDigital and PlayLikeAJet.com Okay, round two, name something that's not boring Laundry? Oh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh?
1: Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?